0: I've been watching the events, as you have, throughout our particular society right now. And I've come to realize one thing. Unfolding before our eyes, I believe, is the dismantling of our foundation. One brick at a time, one block at a time. But I'm sensing that what is happening some individuals wonder is this what God is doing that I don't know from 2nd Chronicles 15 which I preached on a few weeks ago there it does say that God caused all the problems. I don't know if God is doing that now but I do know that what is happening He's allowing it to happen. And what I'm sensing is what is our response to all of this? You've probably heard enough sermons on uh, don't don't be afraid. You've probably heard enough sermons on getting involved and such as that, but I want to speak this morning to maybe something a little bit different. What is God's call in our life for this moment, at this time, in this society? Gene Getz is a well-known speaker, author, and pastor of a church in Texas. And he shared in one of his writings an encounter that he had with an attendee of a Bible conference that he was preaching at. And during the coffee break, a particular person came up to him and was talking to him about society, the deterioration of how things are going to go from bad to worse. Gene Getz writes, he says, I sensed an unusual amount of fear and insecurity. Clearly this person was obsessed with the idea that our nation is falling apart morally, economically, and politically. Without much thought, I responded. If you think it's bad now, just wait a while. From which this person responded, Oh, God wouldn't allow that to happen to America, would he? Gene Goetz replied, Why not? Why wouldn't God allow bad things to happen in America? After all, we know from history that every nation that has departed from God's standard of righteousness, has deteriorated and eventually collapsed. This morning I want to share with you concerning our response to the events that are happening in our society. I know that according to Philippians 3 and verse 20, it says our citizenship is in heaven. In First Peter 2.11, Peter writes, we're just strangers passing through this world during this time. I realize that this world is not our real home, but we're still here. We are representatives of the kingdom of God in which we have been called with a purpose. And this call or this purpose is to permeate our lives in hopes of bringing some sense to what we seem to be senseless. We're called to be salt and light. But we find ourselves being on the sideline of the world's events and what we're seeing is the dismantling of our foundation as a nation, block by block, rampant anger, rioting are happening in some of the cities of our nation. The tentacles of Marxism and socialism are engulfing the very fiber of our republic and we see the glow of burning as it is etched on the horizon, so much so that as one advocate of this movement stated, if we don't get what we want, we will burn the system down. From a statement like that, what are we to do as believers? Let's pray. Father, I don't have all the answers. I don't have maybe even the the right mindset to be able to speak to this particular topic this morning, but I know it's something that's in Your Word. I may not have all the answers but you do. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. But I wonder if that is still true in our nation. We're being inundated, we are being slowly eroded on issues that seem to be dividing our country in more than just two ways. And I pray, O God, this morning as we share from your word the thoughts that your spirit has engaged me in, I pray, O God, that you would help me to communicate well to be able to at least establish a foothold, a foundation, if you will, that we as followers of Jesus Christ, those who have trusted him as our sin bearer, how are we to respond to a philosophy that seems to be destroying our nation? I pray for our leaders this morning, Lord, both nationally, locally, and statewide. Some decisions that have been made have not been very popular with us. Some decisions that we would like to be made have not even been discussed. but I pray for them. I pray, O oh God, and somehow and some way that there would be an awakening. There would be a renewal. That there would be, O oh Lord God, a quietness instead of a rioting society. I pray that you would protect them And that by the power of your spirit Lord would you direct them in what is needful for this nation to once again stand strong. We find ourselves Lord as a church, as a body of believers that are even meeting here this morning and all over the country most likely wondering the same thing that we're going to discuss today, what is our response to be? How are we to live biblically in what seems to be an unbiblical situation? So as we communicate this morning I pray oh God that our hearts would be receptive that your spirit would move in our hearts and in our minds. That we would come to the, to the one answer that seems to permeate throughout all of Scripture. And that is that your word is true. It is our standard. We are to be watchmen on the city walls. We are to be using your word to solidify our words. We are to be giving out the gospel. And so in everyday life, oh God, I pray that you would teach us, train us, and equip us to be temperate. Sober, alert, self controlled, as your word tells us. And to that we will praise you and thank you in your name. Amen. In 1st Timothy chapter 3 and in verse 2, you will find a very interesting word that is translated temperate. Some of you might have the word sober or alert in your text. But in 1st Timothy chapter 3 and verse 2, it's one of the qualifications that are highlighted in the area of church leadership both elder and deacon. It's temperate. And so Paul was describing to us and to other Christ followers that there needs to be a clear focus, if you will, not only just on life, but also in world situations. In other words, what temperate means is don't worry. It's a word that establishes a equilibrium of life. Those of you that are carpenters, I was a a son of a carpenter that never got any of the genes. But I do know a couple of things about tools because when my dad would be building things he'd tell me what to get and I'd bring to him and he had a tool and that was called a level and you can test things to see if they're level by looking at a little bubble that is supposed to line up between two lines. That's what the Apostle Paul is telling Timothy. We as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, whether we are in an office of elder or deacon, what God wants us to be is level, temperate, sober, self-disciplined. In other words, he doesn't want us to sway outside of those two lines. Don't get caught up so much over here and certainly don't get caught up over here. Just stay right here between the two lines. One individual described temperance as this. It says says, temperate biblical Christians... Don't lose their physical, psychological, and spiritual orientation. Regardless of changes that violate biblical values, they maintain stability and steadfastness, they stay the course this implies the goal of being temperate as the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ being temperate means we understand where history is going and we understand that God is in control that's temperance what's interesting about temperance though is that there are four goals for temperance. The first one is this. If you're married, your goal is to be a loving husband, wife, being responsible for the welfare of the family and provide for the protection and provision of the family. A faithful member of a biblical church and a faithful employer or employee Your consistent objective is to be a dynamic Christian witness wherever you are by the way you live and by what Christ says. That's the first goal. The second goal is this. As a follower of Christ, you don't go to extremes. On the one hand, you don't get bogged down trying to solve the world's problems. And at the same time, You do what you can to solve social ills without neglecting biblical priorities. I really appreciated those of you that on Facebook who highlighted the fact that any police officer can come to your house and find encouragement and refreshment. I'm glad you had that that keeps us focused we're not trying we can't solve all of the social ills but we can be used by God in order to bring some peace in the midst of storms lest we get bogged down the third this is the third goal as a follower of Jesus Christ You don't go on emotional tangents. You rely on God for a sense of inner peace and security, no matter what is happening in the world. This does not mean you won't have periods of anxiety, but overall you have a sense of stability founded upon the scriptures as promises from God that all things do work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. And the last goal of what we call temperance is this as the followers of Jesus Christ, we are to be people of prayer. We take the Apostle Paul's exhortation. To the Philippians, seriously, when he says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplications, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Those are the four goals, the four, if you will, ingredients of what it means to be temperate, what it means to be in between the two black lines, level. But today it's awful easy for us to get sidelined by peripheral issues. We can become so obsessed with the problems of our society that we spend most of our time and energy trying to clean up the outside of the plate. And we forget that it's what's on the inside that must be changed. Pardon me. I can give you a simple answer to the situations that we find ourselves in in our society and the simple answer is this is Jesus Christ and Him alone. He and only He can change a heart to where individuals that would quote the saying that I gave to you which was that individual was being interviewed and literally said, if we don't get what we want, we will burn down society. And the co-founder of the, that thought said, we are well-trained Marxists looking to destroy this country. we can get caught up with those sayings and hide our proverbial heads under the pillow and maybe even maybe say the words even so come Lord Jesus Jesus Christ is the answer that's simple but it's not easy is it it's not easy Now, don't misunderstand me I do love our country I really do I hope one day it will be strong again and will also be secure for years to come but God never intended for our earthly home to be our source of security no matter what happens down here on earth We have our hope in Jesus Christ. He is our true source of stability and security in life. But on the other hand, when I stop and think about what is going on and happening in our culture, I do get concerned. I get particularly anxious when I think about my children and grandchildren and what they are going to face in the years to come. Yet when I stop and consider that God is still God, that He is in control of the universe and our nation, I once again get my feelings back. I get refocused, and we start another day. The greatest contributions that we can make to be everything God wants us to be as individuals, as families, as local church is that we need to realize that there are three keys to being temperate. I gave you four goals, but here are the keys. The first key is this. To become temperate as Christ followers, we must become followers of faith. Followers of faith. Did you catch that in the text that Pastor Steve read? Because it talks about there of picking up of putting on keys in order to survive in our nation and their faith, hope, and love faith, hope, and love to be temperate we must be followers We must be followers of faith now there are two types of faith first type of faith is saving faith it's 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 what is written in for us in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 for by grace you have been saved through what, everybody? Through faith. Faith. In other words, it's, it's coming to that proper relationship with Jesus Christ. It's realizing that he and he alone is my sin bearer. He paid the price. And by faith in him, I've been set free, have you? It doesn't mean I become perfect and my family right now just wants to yell out amen. That doesn't make us perfect. We're not all of a sudden sinless. But saving faith brings to us This wonderful position of being in Christ Jesus. And then we pursue a lifelong journey of faith called walking by faith. It's the difference between justification, as I've said before, and sanctification. Justification is a one-and-done declaration of God that we are not guilty through Jesus Christ. We've been set free. Sanctification is the lifelong pursuit of becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. In order to be a person of temperance, sober, alert, we must first be people of faith, saving faith and walk of faith. If the Apostle Paul reminds us in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 that we can't be saved by works only by faith but then in verse 10 he highlights the fact that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works which God has predetermined that we will walk in them become more and more like Jesus Christ we don't allow ourselves to be lulled to sleep as the text in 1st Corinthians said, we are individuals of the day, not of night. We're not to be lulled to sleep, but we are to be looking for the coming of Jesus Christ. One fine lady even this morning said, Pastor, even before you get behind that pulpit I hope Jesus comes I don't know if that's a comment on my preaching or what (laughs) but I got the idea I got the idea we are to be looking for the coming of Jesus Christ and let me let me give you just a little secret about that it can happen at any moment For me, like you, the sooner the better. Can I get an Amen? (laughs) But you see, saving faith guarantees us that when Christ does come, we will be with Him for all eternity. Walking faith prepares us for the time of when He comes. We want to be found ready for him to come. So when we look at the terms that were used in 1 Corinthians and then also in 1 Timothy 3, I'm sorry, Steve, you read out of 1 Thessalonians, my fault. In 1 Thessalonians, it's called self-controlled. It's the same word in 1 Peter, 1 Timothy 3. The same word, temperant. Not only are we to have saving faith or walking in faith, the second key is this we must become people of hope. Hope. Hope quite often in the scriptures refers to our eternal inheritance. It's home. It's a place of where what is laid up for us, as Jesus quoted in John chapter 14, I go to prepare a place for you. That's our hope. But hope also refers to a steadfastness and stability. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3, the Apostle Paul thanked God for their steadfastness of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. They had fixed their hope on the living God rather than on the uncertainty of riches and the things of this world. In terms of our value, cultural values, many of the so-called liberals and progressives want to remove all the acknowledgments of God and his divine laws from all public display in our society. I'm bothered by the pulling down of statues. Yes, sometimes they remind us of bad times in our history, but they're there to remind us to never do that again. And what's happening is is if we can erase, or if a group can erase, the historical context of our country then they can set a new agenda and I'm here to tell you this morning dear people that one of their agendas as again was stated by one of their leaders is to destroy anything that resembles a white Jesus They want to get rid of our national anthem, our pledge of allegiance, which has in it one nation under whom, everybody? God. But our hope is still this. God can still change hearts and bring about a renewal. The last one, the last key is this we must become people of love. Love. Francis Schaeffer, a great Christian apologist, if you are having difficulty sleeping, get yourself a Francis Schaeffer book. You will sleep. But he's a great apologist. He wrote this, he said, He said that love is the final apologetic. It is the defense for which there is no defense, love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the Apostle Paul understood the importance of this quality in this letter. He wrote now faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. Love then really is the capstone of our faith. Because in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 7, it says that it hopes all things. Has faith all things. Love. Love is also the captive of our very being. For where would we be without the love of God, our Savior, Jesus Christ? And so I want to finish this morning. My, My time is up. But I want to finish this morning asking you three important questions. Question number one. How strong is your faith in God and in his word? Do you really believe that he exists and that Jesus Christ is coming again? If you do, how is your faith revealed in your actions? Second question. How aware are you of the hope of your calling? How fully do you understand the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? Have you fixed your hope on the things of this world or on eternal values? And lastly, are you a person of love? How well do you measure up to the criteria described in? 1 Corinthians 13, are you patient? Are you kind? Are you generous? Are you humble? Are you courteous? Are you unselfish? Are you controlled? Are you pure in motives? Are you sincere? I go back to beginning statement. What is our purpose? What is our calling? As believer people, as Christ followers, what is our purpose in our society today? Be temperate. Faith, hope, and love these three. But the greatest is love. Let's pray. I again thank you God for the preciousness of your word. It brings a foundation upon which even world events cannot shake. I'm glad that we have a home in heaven. By faith I believe that, and that is my hope. And my passion is to share the love of Christ with others who do not have that assurance. So to be a temperate follower of Christ, We use your word to look through in order that we can come to understand the world's situations. And through that, may you, O Lord God, use us. Use us mightily for your honor and for your glory so that we'll be able to instruct others concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. May you receive all the honor and glory and the power and the dominion both now and forever. we will thank you in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen.